Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. The PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guests. You know what, Mark? Uh, I'm going to keep this rolling and recording. This is going to be the real one. Every time I do that intro, I'm thinking it's it's too much. This is just a great podcast about the promotional products profession. And it's Mark and I hanging out today. And we're interrupting our tech conversation to actually talk about social. 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 <laughs> Social. We're gonna be social today. And That's how, right. And how Graham does it wrong? Uh, totally wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so bad at it. So bad at it. Yet the only reason I am good or remotely good is because of my friendship with you, Bobby. So right. Yeah. No, I, I actually, actually, of the two of us, the person who does it really poorly is me, even though we've both been teaching about it in the industry. So we're... we're That's true. We're, yeah, don't tell ASI or PPAI about <laughs> right. it because they are going to cancel my right. New York gig, yeah. and I really, really want to go to New York, so just be quiet. <laughs> you, you're going to hate me bringing this up because you really are, you really are, uh, you like to keep kind of things under the radar, kind of, uh, but you had just some national press. You mind uh, me mentioning that? Oh, Bobby, come on. You're so, embarrassing. I'm getting I know. You know, blushing here. So. Now, 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 dumb question, dumb American question. National Post, what is that like in American I- equivalent? Is that, uh, is that like the, the Wall Street Journal? Good question. So there are two major publications in Canada. Uh, the, 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 the older and more traditional of them is the, a publication called the Globe and Mail. It's, uh, it's um, published across the country and has been around for a million years. And then there's another uh, publication called the National Post, which is um, would be second in circulation. So a very, I don't know, broad comparison would be like Wall Street Journal, New York Times, broadly speaking. Right. Cool. Um, and then we have other uh, uh, newspapers like the Toronto Star, as an example, is not a national publication. Uh, Toronto Star would be a little bit more like USA Today. Very, you know, very, very broad um, you know, comparison, but yeah, we were very. It was exciting. I, uh, uh, we were uh, featured in in the National Post, uh, which was done on uh, published online as well as in print. It's kind of funny seeing your face in the oh, newspaper. Great, it's like right? a mug. It's like a it's like a pretty mug shot. Total it's, mug shot. It was it's a like mug shot. It, it, you know, uh, so folks don't know. So this is one question all of us as marketers, the inherent marketer in us. How how did you do that? How did you get that? Was that a connection? Um, so I'll, I'll just back up because people might be going, what the heck is he talking about here? Right. So we, we were fortunate to um, have received uh, some nice coverage for our new company called Common Skew, which is our social enterprise platform for the promotional business. And we spun that out from right sleeve. And um, I suppose that in our right sleeve days, and, and I'm still very actively involved in right sleeve, had um, a number of Canadian press contacts just because I'd been in business for 10 years or so and I made friends with a number of people in the media and a number of people in the media are also headquartered in Toronto. We'd done business with them and it was like this nice little community. Um, so it was nice when we started the software business to be able to go and ring up all those people and say, hey, I've got a great story for you, you know, new business that's starting out. Now, did it's you literally offshoot. do that? You, you yourself and members of your team did that? Yeah, so from the PR perspective, um, it's always been me. And the reason for that is what I found from 
journalists is that they uh, they like to hear from the founder or the co-founder in right. my, my case. Right. I uh, so it it's they don't want to hear from the PR flack, the the marketing guy or the person who's a little bit more junior. They want to hear from the person, the man or the woman that has started the company and hear it right from his or her own mouth and. So I was able to make those calls and say, hey, I've got this great story. I'd love to be interviewed for it. And um, it's amazing how receptive they are when they hear from someone that is the founder. So, um, And I always talk about that in some of my, in some of my education sessions in terms of how to get great PR. Um, do it yourself and develop those relationships because the media loves you know, the small business story. So anyways, that, that's how it happened. Um, and I also happen to know the writer uh, from the tech community and have known her. Uh, and she's also good friends with Catherine, who, of course, is my wife and co-founder. Um, have, we've known each other for two years. So uh, she's cool. been very uh, familiar with our, you know, ascent and, you know, how we started this. And she was bugging us. I shouldn't say bugging us. She had been approached us for a couple of months to say, I want to write about this. It's a great story. It's a great story. It's a great story. So we, we were very fortunate. That's cool. And, and the reason why I ask, really, it is in context of what we're talking about today with social and marketing. And really, we're talking about marketing. We're talking about press, communications, and marketing. And you've had a Globe and Mail piece, too. This isn't the first time you've been in major publications, so that's that's pretty cool. So um, on the social media, and I hate using the term, but let's let's just say um, social system, what, what, do you got, what are you seeing that's working well for Right Sleeve right now? You know, I, I think that they're – I'm trying to give, you know, a, a, a good answer to this, Bobby, because your questions are always so good. They intimidate right. me, you know. I'm, right. <laughs> is, so is, Go ahead. I, I'm a total douchebag. No, no, no. I, my, I, my questions are terrible, but, but you know, I'm a promo guy by day. I, I, this is, okay, for, for, okay, for the one and a half people listening to this podcast, yeah, they could be right. tweeting, okay, is Bobby lame or is Mark lame, okay? <laughs> so they could, we'll just see. We'll, we'll go and take the – I think the, they just said you know, they're both lame, and we just lost the, one of the listeners. Darn. Okay. Uh, we have to get them back now. So, you know, what? what's working for us right now, I don't know if this is unique or not, is a real return to the basics of using the social platform, specifically Facebook and Twitter, uh, and to some extent video, um, to reach out and engage customers and prospects in compelling conversations and it's so low tech it's such a low tech answer right i kind of feel a bit sheepish and even even discussing that but here's where i'm coming from we we've been at this for quite some time we've made a ton of mistakes but we've been fortunate in that we've been able to channels over the last several years and now as opposed to us focusing on you know growing to four million followers the focus is really on cultivating those existing social relationships, right. making sure that the conversations are really genuine, making sure that those customers really love what we're doing at both of our companies. And it's old school. It's really old school. And it, it, that's working really, really well for us in terms of, and we can see that um, there's a direct relationship between how we're engaging these customers on the social platforms and our sales. Um, so it's... Uh, it, 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 it's interesting, and, and, and the reason I, I think it's interesting is that I don't really think it's all that revolutionary. I mean, Bobby, you, you're, you've, you've mentioned many times how the social channels are really all about communication, right? And it was right. a communication platform, not a sales or marketing platform. And um, we're, we're seeing more success than ever 
by engaging customers and just straightforward conversation on these channels more than ever. And I think the reason I'm going to shut up and I'm going to, I want to get your perspective on this is that I think there's some fatigue out there for social media. I think that people are kind of tired of all these different people that are coming at them from left, right, and center. And I think what they're looking to do is they're really looking to hunker down, tie their loyalties to specific brands that take care of them and stay put. And that's, it's not the land grab that we saw, say, you know, 18 to 24 months ago with Facebook and Twitter. I think there's a real consolidation and people are looking to really tie their loyalties to specific brands. Um, I don't think they need more friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, I'm fine. That has to do with uh, saturation, don't you think? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And, I mean, what what do you think, Bobby? I mean, I know your your approach at Robin is a little different than ours at Right Sleeve in that you, you, you've always reminded me about the different market that you serve, right? In yeah. Oklahoma, being a little bit more conservative than, say, the Toronto social and tech market that we typically serve. Um are you finding that your, your customers are interacting with you differently on, on the social channels or is it the same? No. In fact, our story is very similar to yours. And, and when I was at South by Southwest, um, you know, this was my first time to go and I attended two really good classes. One was on B2B social media and uh, a couple of statements that they made. One was that 60% of the sales cycle is over these days before a buyer talks to your salesperson. Yep. And the, the other is that, um, you know, and, and this is kind of obvious now, but what was really powerful was to sit in the same room with um, one of the social, uh, search engine uh, really gurus. I hate to use that word, but he is. He's one of the search engine uh, masters out there. And I was there for SEO lessons. And you had one of the head developers for Bing and the head developer for Google on, on the line. One of them is in person. One was actually... Um, uh, skyped in video call and it was fascinating to hear them talk about how both major search engines are getting away from the old tactical marketing keyword type rich uh, environment and moving toward more yeah. of what your community thinks about what you do yeah. and the fact that your community is sharing more so you know I'm t I was tying all this together I was kind of leaving with the attitude that it looks as though saturation has set in or at least fatigue as you say it uh, but more, it, it, but in a funny way, we've been saying for a long time that really authentic content is what's going to rule, eventually. Yeah. Anyways, that this isn't going to be easy to game. It might be easy to game for for a season, but real live interaction with your community and for us, you know, I, I'll tell you a funny thing. We, we when I ask you the question about kind of what you guys are going back to, right before I got on this call, I was talking with a client of ours, and they're a large bank client. And uh, he made this statement to me. He said, hey, uh, I really I want to let you know I really love those weekly stories you guys are putting out. And I said, hey, thanks, man. That, that means a lot. And what he's referring to is the old traditional weekly email yeah. Uh, yeah. that we send. And, and, and what we've just done is we have taken our client stories and we have turned those into our weekly newsletter. So two years ago, you would have got an email newsletter from us that had specials and features and talked about all the wonderful products from leads and, and uh, all the others not to pick on leads. But it was very feature and product focused. And yeah, less story driven. Absolutely. And so it became trash can fodder right away. Uh, but we yeah. didn't know that. It took us a while. And you know this. You saw me do this with social for a while. We really got spammy with social the same way, sending people stuff they don't want. I've had more folks say to me, 
wow, it's really cool to see what you're doing for all of these different brands. So what we did was we just took, we just asked the question in our building, what's the coolest story we can tell this week? And we tried to tell what, what you and I know as the good old fashioned case history. Um, and, and really, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how that's a very old kind of tactical approach, but it works really well with the way people are receptive to story these days. And so that's yeah. when that, when we talk about what's kind of new in social, you don't really see that out there with our brand. That's all yeah. kind of the internal stuff, but that's been kind of exciting for me. It, it surprised me more. I mean, it really did surprise me more than I thought it would. Now, I, I'm fascinated by your other podcast, the the much cooler and slicker podcast than the Promo <laughs> Kitchen podcast, I might say. Yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> you have a better co-host, I think, on that one. But but um, so you, you, of course, have got your uh, your your Smarketer uh, series that you've been running for the last several months. How does that fit into the 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 the, um, the stories that you like to tell oh, your clients? It's so funny. And what kind yes. of feedback? Oh Has that God. driven sales for you? It's so funny you ask that because it's if we've let it die, it's it's a little bit like you know just like Promo Kitchen. We all love Promo Kitchen, and yet by by day we've got these professions and these these clients we serve and the career that we're in, and the marketer really really had some grounding and some great work, and so it's kind of uh, been on a bit hiatus lately. But what it did here's the funniest part about it is what you see that's published is just. Uh, tip of the iceberg when it terms it comes to what kind of effect does that have on our market because we're kind of showing up and it's funny when you show up with a couple of microphones with folks at an event i'm still amazed at how um enterprising that seems to people so you're sitting down and you meet somebody at a restaurant or somewhere to do a little simple little podcast for them and it really does open people's ears and it kind of pay helps them pay more attention to your brand um, and it's kind of, it's not direct, it's not real, uh, in your face kind of marketing, but it's real subtle. And our attempt of course was just to constantly look for good, fresh content when it comes to marketing professionals. Yeah. And we are actually getting that back and up and going, I'll give you a great example. Last week, um, uh, I interviewed the, uh, senior vice president of marketing for Dave and Busters, which is a, a fairly large chain, uh, located in, in here in, uh, in the States. And uh, I, again, I'm amazed to be able to sit across from somebody that you couldn't, from an, from an old sales guy's perspective, I couldn't knock on his door enough to get him to open the door to me. But you invite yep. him to sit down with a podcast, and that was kind of different. So, you know, the only thing that the only thing that was really bad about some of these tactics is I think the old school would say, man, that's just a really long way to go around to get a sale. And oh. I, I wouldn't disagree with them. Um, but what it does for your brand, I think, is huge. I don't know. I, I would disagree with that. You think about the, or I would not disagree with you, but disagree with the people yeah. that would say it's a, a, a long way of, of getting a sale. So A, you're contacting this person and they're getting back to you that, that much quicker to say, yeah, I'd be interested in getting involved with this. Then they get involved with it. You're promoting and enhancing their brand and their reputation in the community. You're then able to go and market that out to all of your customers. And then you've now got uh, a special place in the VP market. Marketing, uh, marketing's mind as distinct from the average promo sales guy that is not speaking to the VP marketing at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. That person speaking to someone several levels below who's probably just checking on price, and then you know you're uh, you're, you're 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 in a commodity situation. So right. I think, um, and I uh, I'm not sure how much you want me to be promoting uh, that idea <laughs> because I have this 20 low cost marketing methods uh, presentation I'm doing in New York and I'd love to put that in there. No, I think it's great because because it's it's a brilliant way to 
sidestep the typical gatekeeper and uh, build a relationship. So I, I think it's, I really admire you for having done that. Well, thanks. And, you know, feel free to use that. I, uh, the funniest thing is, you know how it is when you do classes that very few people will actually do it. Um, and yeah. if, it, if it spawns or generates more people doing it, that's not a problem. I mean, it's not as yeah. if you can saturate the market with what we're doing. And what the funniest part is we're just simply trying to engage with our audience on a different level. And I think that we yeah. started this conversation that way. So now when I'm at an association meeting or I see that a speaker's coming up to event, I haul these mics around with me and I can ask them, hey, do you got 10 minutes to visit with me? Um, and I explain to them what it's about. Sometimes we'll contact them in advance. Um, another sort of secret CEO thing that we're doing on the backside though is that we are taking the audio and we're converting that to text and we're posting that as an article so you yeah. uh, there are some What's... services online that you can upload to that allow you uh we use casting words um and you can upload that audio file and within depending on your time frame one day three days a uh, week or two weeks they'll return to you the text file and as you know as a good marketer you can upload that then to your blog and you get some good google juice what you, we used to know is google juice uh, hopefully that's still relevant yeah. um but and, and that's another great way to um to reformat and and uh recycle content um, and and then it's really we think that's fantastic. It makes me wonder too when people make blogging harder. Um, that if you got a couple of cheap mics and these days with a Mac or any 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 program, you can download free audio programs. And people that tell me that they really don't have time to blog, you could have time to have a conversation that could convert to text, and then and then regularly be putting good information out on your website. It's funny we'll be having conversations in the building. Sometimes we'll stop and say we should get that on air. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, it's it, it's interesting to hear hear you talk about the inexpensive ways that you can either uh, produce a podcast or or produce a video. And it reminds me of my time in San Diego, where I was with Heidi Thorne, who runs yeah. a distributorship in Chicago and also part of the Promo Kitchen community. And she pulled me aside and said, "Mark." We have to do a video on my iPhone right now, and we're going to talk about how easy and simple it is to produce a video. And so she got out this tiny little tripod. I think it cost her like 20 bucks. She had this mic that she uh, uh, put into her iPhone. She pressed record, and boom, we were sitting there talking about the ins and outs of uh, putting together uh, inexpensive video and how you can produce these videos to improve communication with your clients. And it was fascinating. She was so excited about it. And, I, and, and, and we'll um, produce or publish a link to the YouTube uh, uh, video that, that, uh, that was a result of that conversation. But I, I just find it so fascinating how easy it is to do it. And I think that there's just really no excuse. I mean, there's do, no do excuse you, not to be doing it. But here's the, here's the rub. Do you think more people aren't doing it because they've redeemed it not important. I mean, I can hear somebody, I can hear solo entrepreneurs say, guys, I'm doing all I can to, to take care of my clients. Um, I, 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 you know, you can get the, these slights from people a little bit. They're the slight insults about taking the time to do that. Is it a matter of, uh, making it important or, I mean, do you really think it is a struggle for folks to do things like this? I think it's a question of comfort zone. Um, and I think I should state at the outset that being very social in your approach to marketing is not right for everyone. And if you're listening on this call and you feel it's kind of silly and and uh, it's not right for you, it's not necessarily the end of the world. If you're taking good care of your clients and you're taking 
and you're just paying great attention to them and servicing them in every way that you possibly can, you probably are running a fantastic business. Yeah. But, but for those people that um, are struggling and to take care of their customers and they want to grow sales and they're, and they're, they're flatlining or decreasing and they're using these as excuses, I don't buy it. And the example that I'll, I'll, I'll use is that of, of our friend, Charity Gibson, mm-hmm. who uh, who runs a solo distributorship. Uh, sorry, correct. Um, uh, three months ago, she actually hired her first employees. So there's two of them, right. uh, Charity and Melanie, that are running their company. But for the first 12 to 18 months, she was running it from her home, totally by herself. And she was able to build her client base using really creative social tactics on on um, Twitter and Facebook primarily just by being very active, very present, um, developing relationships with people, using these tools which are completely free of charge and she's built a really respectable business that's growing and she's looking to hire more people now. So at the end of the day, it, it's not an excuse. Uh, you don't need any money. You just need to have I think the ability to get outside of your comfort zone. And I think that that's the problem with so many people that look at this and say, well, it's not for me or I'm scared to be public. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it. I think you just need to jump into it because many other people have uh, laid the foundation before you. So I think that's cool. Hey, uh, when I should have been listening to you, I texted a good friend of ours, Nate Bailey, who's a solo entrepreneur, and he's going to join us on the call here real quick. You cool with that? Oh, Nate Bailey. Yeah, that's a troublemaker. I don't know about that. I know. Let's dial him up. Um, and, and here, here's a guy, solo entrepreneur, runs a successful distributorship in the Oregon area. And Nate, is that you? Yeah, yeah can you hear me? We can hear you, man. You are live on the Promo Kitchen podcast with both of our Nate listeners ha- and Mark Graham. Sweet. Uh, Nate, you, you, you know what? You know what's pretty funny is I bet that text that Bobby just sent you was, oh, my gosh, Graham is going on. It's so boring. <laughs> we have no listeners. We need someone to kind of sex it up here. So I think, uh, you know, uh, and then he reached out to you. So there, the, there well, you go. You're the guy, Nate. I- Mark, I just figured after you know being featured in the newspaper this morning that your uh-huh. head wasn't your head wasn't big enough, and so they needed to call me in to kind of put some yeah. more hot air in the room. Yeah, well, that that you know that is true. That is true. Uh, Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. But, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it it's uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a kind of a fun fun thing to share, and uh, you know, great. It, it's really great for the team. The certainly uh, there's there's so you know there's many other people other than me that are behind this, and it's it, it's kind of neat for them to see some of the reactions. So you know, step yeah. in the right direction. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Hey, Nate. Nate, yeah, we're talking about marketing and social, and you you've been. Um, uh, the question I just asked Mark was, as we were talking about so, kind of where we've evolved in social, how, it's, how what now what we're doing is far more content and community development. We wouldn't call it social uh, per se. But the question I just asked Mark is when you hear people, let's say a solo entrepreneur, for example, um, why do more people not spend time doing it? Is it because of time or is it because I'm just not comfortable doing it? And you've had some interesting success. I know you've actually landed a decent account with a combination of Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, but what do you think? I mean, is, is time a big struggle for you or is, yeah, it more, I mean, is it more a comfort factor? No, it's time's the biggest thing. I mean, when you're a one man show with a part-time assistant and that sort of thing, um, um, who is basically my assistant just basically, um, does order processing and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, it's a big time, a time thing. And I think that that's not really an excuse not to do it or to leverage it or to use it. Um, and if you want to get out from under being a one man show, then you've got to, you've got to grow your business. And so you've got to figure out ways 
to get in front of people and see people. My strategy is very, um, is very, uh, you know, sniper like, uh, I don't shoot shotguns. We, I try and shoot very accurate sniper rifles. I pick a client prospect that I want to work with. And then I just start, uh, you know, doing my research and, and, uh, finding the person on LinkedIn and, and, and going about it that way. You know, we don't do a lot. I don't have time to design mass mailers and to, to get, lists ready and all that sort of thing so uh, my approach is to leverage linkedin and twitter and facebook to find prospects to get to know them uh, in a kind of not so weird stalkerish kind of way and then kind of use that to my ability um, to build relationships and so uh, my strength is building relationships um, and so I just try and build relationships when I when I go out and sell so I know I know I know enough by the way, by the way that, that you got an echo on. Are you, you have speakers? Uh, no, I just have my iMac. That's uh, okay. you know. Uh, the, I know you well enough to know that you're also comfortable doing about anything. You're a pretty bold guy, right? Uh, so the, the time factor for, then it becomes a time factor. I think Mark's point. Don't let me speak for you, Mark. Was that for many folks though? They can't even get there in terms of a comfort factor. You're cool with it. You just need to. You just need to do more of it, basically. Right. It's just carving out. You got to carve it out like an appointment, almost. Like I'm going to spend an hour on Monday, or an hour on Tuesday, or an hour a day, or 30 minutes a day, right. in the in the social media prospecting marketing kind of world. You know, I'm gonna I'm going to come up with content and find mine content that I didn't create and schedule, um, you know, Twitter posts, which I'm not very good at, to be honest with you. I'm going to take time to go to LinkedIn and see what's going on. And, you know, we all have our lists of clients we'd love to work with and then try and find, you know, take the time to find out who works there and who is the right contact for you to try and call. Hey, Mark. Mark, are you on? Yeah, no, I I, I wanted to throw a question to to Nate. Nate, uh, Bobby, you've heard me throw around the stat before, but uh, Nate, we haven't chatted about it. So, one one thing that I found uh, at, at with with Right Sleeve, uh, given that I, um, uh, are, I'll back up here. So, fr- from from a cold calling perspective, or when you think about non-social ways to get customers, and if you if you look at uh, the number of hours that you spend cold calling, um. And the amount of time that you spend on social media, what I found is that if I um, that I was actually starting to get more results selling, albeit indirectly, on social media compared to my cold calling results. So what I ultimately did to make myself feel better about the time commitment that I was spending on using the social channels <laughs> is that I was actually getting better return on those hours that I was devoting to the social channels and I was on cold calling. So if let's say it was 10 hours a week that I was cold calling before, I would then dial it back to say six hours of cold calling and four hours of social. And I was finding I was actually getting better results. So I think that that's the, I mean, that was my perspective. What do you think about that? I mean, is that your experience at ideation or are you not there yet? No, I mean, uh, um, I think one of the biggest things, you know, talk about being bold and all that sort of thing, you know, I mean, if someone's doing 10 hours a week of cold calling, um, I would be shocked. I mean, I just, I would bet that if we pulled 100 people, there's not more than, honestly, more than 80 or 90 uh, that would say that they don't spend 10, 10 hours. You know, I, I, I bet you maybe 10% or less actually spend that much time cold calling. But yeah. I think that, um, uh, you know, and I don't do real cold calling uh, in that nature. My cold calling is always set up. 
um, so that they've had some sort of introductory to me, whether that's a, a mail piece, some swag. Um, I like to send books. If I find out about a person that I'm going after, if, you know, if I can derive some information from their LinkedIn profile, then I may send them a book or something to that effect. So my cold callers, I'd never just grab a you know book of lists or anything like that and just start calling people because I've never found it effective. I came from the mortgage industry. Um, right out of college and didn't find cold calling. So I haven't had a lot of success cold calling. I actually I actually also get very Hi, my name is Nathan. I'm from Ideation. You know, I get I don't get very I'm not very personal that way. So um so cold calling doesn't work for me. So so I I much rather prefer the veil that um social media allows both myself and the prospect and the ability to get to know them without, you know, without just kind of throwing up all over them in a cold call. So well, you know what we're not uh, cold calling aside the business development pipeline has always been pretty weak in our industry don't you think i mean you, you go out and let's say you're brand new you have basically no book of business you're trying to grow to 150,000 in your first year you go out and you you start doing all the great practices that ter- can turn you into a great sales rep and then once you get above a certain threshold for some people it might be 500,000 in sales for some people it might be at 750,000 in sales the business development takes a back seat. Uh, in fact, it maybe doesn't even show up in the vehicle. It's not even in the back seat. I mean, has that been a common experience with both you guys and the other distributors you've talked to? Oh, I can speak. Uh, I mean, go, I can, go ahead. For, in the you know the the one man show type of distribution, uh, which was <clears throat> distributorship, I should say, is that you know, like you said, Bobby, I got in this business, didn't have any contacts. I didn't even know. You know, it's not like I knew a director of marketing anywhere. I basically knew nobody. And so I had to kind of build it from the ground up. And so, um, so, so you get to the, you know, you build this business and you're doing all the things that mentors are telling you and, and, you know, different, what you read in counselor and advantages and all the industry stuff. And, and you build this nice little business of, you know, half a million dollars. But, you know, honestly, now I spend so much time just keeping up with the orders that come in house um, that it's hard to prospect, uh, really, really well. You know, uh, most of my business growth comes from referrals, uh, now, or, you know, being with a client and then going from the marketing department to the HR department to the uniforms department. So, um, so I think that we, as an industry, um, need to figure out, um, better ways, um, to build pipelines and then to strategically, um, almost have like a, a checklist type way of, of um, how you are going to go after them and monitor monitor them could be a great you know add on to Common Skew 3.0 um, that's kind of got that, that Salesforce feature into it uh, in terms of the prospects tabs. Um, but anyway, um, I think that that's the biggest problem. Until you can get to that point where you can add people to manage the current business, um, it's hard to grow. You know, I I, uh, I think that's a fascinating point, and and uh, you know, Nate, I, I started my business when I was just like you. It was a one man band, and you know, we've grown to be a little bit larger than that now. But it it all started off with just me and my you know my proverbial basement, so to speak. Right. Um, and what I found. What was really interesting for you now? I started before social media existed. I started the business in 1998, so it, it feels like it was a zillion years ago. I mean, it wasn't 1942, like when Bobby started in the industry, but you know, right? Um, the the 
I, the, I let the, it slide. Go ahead. It's the old yeah, yeah. gray hair. I just missed it almost actually. I, I know, I know. <laughs> so, but 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 the point that I was going to make is what I, what I found starting out. It was all about getting. Uh, uh, that critical mass of clients, but that, uh, as you say, you start to struggle with business prospecting once you're, you know, dealing with all the orders, and you've got to make sure that suppliers are shipping your gear out on time, and and you know, you know, you know the story. Mm-hmm. But what I found, um, particularly as we were building our web model, which kind of preceded our social model, um, is that by us having good, engaging content and building a great community, uh, not, not a massive community, but a really good, engaged, quality community, that they were the ones that helped us bring that business in because our name was circulating around these channels. And that's the wonderful, I think, wonderfully scalable side of having a really great social strategy is that allows you, it allows business to come in from either referrals or your names out there and you could post content that hundreds and hundreds of people will see. That's a lot more scalable than you having to call up, you know, so and so at uh, you know the Citibank to try to try to try to get his or her order. Um, so I really see the um, social as allowing for that small uh, distributor to really expand their business and allow for the business to come in a lot more easily than you would if you were just pounding you know the pavement, calling people one on one. So. Um, and that certainly works for our, you know, we've got 20 people at Right Sleeve now. It certainly works for our individual business development reps that are building their profile through social and just having their names and reputations out there in the marketplace. So, yeah. So, guys, we've got like five minutes left. Uh, Nate, we, we totally surprised you. We didn't even, we, yeah, didn't even give, we gave no notice at all. We, we I just, <laughs> go ahead, do what? I didn't get to prep any notes or anything. So, <laughs> no. It, it, but that's the best. Okay, guys, we'll end it on this. There's been a lot of discussion around Facebook and Instagram, good or bad, Bobby. You you know where I'm going with this. I know because you're a curmudgeon, but Nate's <laughs> going to be on the opposite end of the fet. Uh, you know, opposite. Uh, yeah, because he's end, progressive end and young and hip, and I'm yeah. I'm old with yeah. slightly sore hips. I'm uh I I don't I, you know frankly I don't care, but uh but it looks to me like a really cool uh, progressive small um, company was gobbled up by the big blue again. And you know how I'm not a big Facebook fan anyway. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not, what do you think, Nate? Um, I mean, I, you tell me if you had a, a company that you started two years ago and somebody offered you a billion dollars. That's true. You didn't ask me from my perspective, if I owned Instagram, I mean, my right. God, that's an entirely different answer. Right. Insta rich. You know, I, I don't. It'll be interesting to see what Facebook does with Instagram because if their whole mission statement is, um, you know, sharing your life with the world, and, and, and Instagram was really the best a- application out there to capture those moments on photo and then share them with with people. Um, it'll be interesting if Facebook takes the capital that they have to to quickly progress that application, or if they just bought it to make it go away. So. Um, so that's kind of what I'm interested to see uh, what it, what they do with it. But um, you know, I'm I'm not going to say anything bad about Facebook because you know they might need some marketing stuff done. Right. So. <laughs> All right, what do you think? They're Mark? not going to call Bobby now. That's for no, sure. No, they're not. Yeah, that was yeah, the last on their list. I actually felt that I was going to have to 
explain to Bobby what Facebook was. <laughs> you know, it's a social network that was started in 2004 in a Harvard dormitory, and it allows people to share. I, I know, actually I saw the information movie. about their lives. I, say, that's I a great saw the movie. movie. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, you, you know what? I, I'm 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 on the same page more, more with more with Nate. I, I think it's interesting uh, to see how these massive technology or just really any big company. I'm I'm always interested in their motivations as to why they buy smaller companies. Is it to get rid of them, or is it to simply bring on talented engineers, or is it to like truly integrate the product into the application? And I think. Um, you know, I'm I'm an Android guy, so I've I've actually I'm fairly new to the Instagram party because, of course, it was available only on the iPhone for, you know, its first two years, and it just came out on Android about two weeks ago, right. and it's it's a beautiful application, it's very very elegant. Uh, the, um, uh, the the way in which you can share information on it or photos on it is is nicer than how you can do it on Facebook. So I think from that standpoint, it'll be a big win. Uh, I'm a big fan of Facebook. I think it's a, I think it's a great platform. Uh, and I just hope they don't kind of kill the, uh, as I would say here in Canada, the je ne sais quoi of the, of, of the application. You know, I, I, it, would be, it would be unfortunate if they kind of sucked the soul out of it. So, You know, something we haven't discussed and we have to before we hang up is, is Pinterest any good for our industry? You know, that was a, funny that you just asked that because that was the question because you said we only had five minutes to get to or left over. And I think personally that Pinterest, maybe outside of Twitter, may be the most applicable uh, social media software that a distributorship can leverage. Um, and And I think it also goes on to allow for suppliers and for distributors to communicate because I've got like ETS Express and Primeline. I've got a ton of, um, of suppliers that are Pinterest followers that repin and like when I pin their stuff. And, and so it seems to be a, a great avenue not only to push ideas and cool things out to the world, but it seems to be a, a great way for suppliers and distributors to socialize amongst one another, which is, as Mark Graham can more eloquently say than I can, it's always been <laughs> well, a problem with with uh, our industry. Mark, are you pinning your daily, what you wear to work every day, your, your today's t-shirt and jeans <laughs> tomorrow's? <laughs> no, I'm not that lame. I'm not that lame. Okay. Um, but we're, we, we, we might pin things like when two employees arrive at the office wearing the same, you know, the same clothing or something like I that. that. <laughs> Do that sort of thing. But, okay. um, you know, I, 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 I'm, the jury's out with, Pinterest for me, I, only because I still think it's so new and we're still wrapping our uh, heads around how we can use it. Um, but I absolutely agree with where it could go, particularly to Nate's point about uh, distributor supplier communication and relationships. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's funny, um, a, a colleague that all three of us know, whose name will be, I, I won't mention his name in case that he doesn't want me to say this, um, had said, uh, it's just in an email that I got right now. He said, the reason I don't get Pinterest is because I'm not a woman. That's what this gentleman said. <laughs> I thought, you know, that's interesting. And I, I don't know for all the, all, the, all the female listeners whether they'd agree with that. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I know that Pinterest's main following and main demographic is primarily uh, female-oriented. So, well, I, I will tell uh, you this. Uh, we have been having the Pinterest conversation in our office, office because our buyer – 
uh, our makeup of our buyers is 90, 95% female. And so yeah. you cannot avoid Pinterest as a platform in our industry if that's your target market. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've kicked around ideas from, you know, and one idea I'll give away uh, that we kicked around was um, corporate dress has been pretty lame in our in our industry. A lot of it, it used to be. And now there's a lot of really cool fashions out. And somebody could start the first um, – Pinterest that's dedicated to just corp cool corporate dress, the kind of stuff that that right sleeve would sell to their tech community, uh, but it's just designed for ladies. And I could see where um, maybe would that yeah. be really engaging? I don't know, but you know, it does, you can't ignore that platform just because of I think it fits with most of our demographics. Or a Pinterest devoted to nerdy suits and ties for like dudes <laughs> with long gray hair, right? You know what I, I mean? Think there would be there would be one. One audience member of that. Well, that well, I think right. three. I mean, you and obviously, and then and then I think Nate and I would probably make fun. We, of, we'd right. probably yeah. you know log in the odd time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, what? I love I love Nate you you joining us. I mean, it certainly added uh, some spice to this. So, thanks, buddy. I, thanks for, uh, I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, last minute. Uh, what sous chef or or food rep or something like that. There I, you go. I, I I think we need to do that from now on. That within. 10 minutes of our podcast, Bobby, we text someone I agree. and get them to come on board. I agree. And, you know, kudos to that person for just dropping the ball or not dropping the ball, but dropping, dropping everything that they've got and, right. uh, and, and coming and join us. It's or cool. big question. Did he not have a lot to do that? He could just drop everything and get on this. Thing? <laughs> no, I know you well. In fact, you were pulling in probably from a client. I, when I texted you, you were in the car. You probably shouldn't have been texting me, but uh, you were you were in the car, so I know you well. You were out. No, I was I was just leaving the dreaded accountant's office. So oh yeah, that's, that's important. You know how that goes. That's so. important. Nate, yeah. we're glad you joined us. Uh, I appreciate you uh, inviting me. Let's give you a final word. Any any final words for us? You know. I think that the key is that uh, selling is selling, and with, regardless of all of the social uh, media things that's there, you still have to pound the pavement. You still got to pick up the phone. You still got to uh, get in front of people, and uh, and these are all great tools and give us more insight into our prospects than than we've probably ever had before in any sales um, position. But uh, if you are sitting waiting for the phone to ring or for somebody to tweet you back or reply, that those stories are few and far between. And uh, the real, the real Unless sales you're success, promotions. Right. Right. wrong, wrong. And or I, I know Charity uh, from Green Banana has some sex, six, good success with that. But I think the 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 good old fashioned uh, always be closing, pick up the phone uh, is still probably king when it comes to sales strategies. So. Yeah, just do it smartly. Don't waste your time or their time by, by you know, making a cold call and not knowing them or you or anything like that. So, awesome. That's cool. great final words, Mark. Anything? Anything else? Oh, I, I can't compete with that. I know. No way. Me neither. No. Let's, <laughs> let's just close before we lose more listeners. And you know, next week we'll be starting the uh, Promo Kitchen podcast hosted by Nate Bailey. So many of you will be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. happy to know that we finally got Graham and I off the mic. Well, uh, you know, when a show's struggling on TV, they always bring in like special guests. <laughs> <laughs> so, we haven't had our jump the shark episode yet, so we we've got some life in us. Yeah, if listenership goes from like three to seven now, um, yeah, you know. we're we're giving up, and yeah, we'll yeah, be on, people, we'll... my people will call you. And okay. we... <laughs> <laughs> all, right, guys. all right, guys, uh, this was fun. All right, bye. Mark. All right, guys, take care. Yeah, adios, and uh, we'll connect soon. New right. York, anyone? In New York? No, 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 no. no. Are you in New York right now, Mark? 
Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm going to ASI New York in a couple weeks, so I will. It's time for you up there. Yeah, it's close. It's like an hour flight, hour and a half. So, all right, guys, we'll see you all later. All right, guys, take care. Yep. Bye. Bye.